Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, it's John. We've got a special bonus episode for you this week. For those of you who don't know, I've started another podcast recently. It's all about football tactics in general and is imaginatively titled A Podcast About Tactics. Each episode we focus on either a team or a manager, a tactical concept, or we talk to an industry expert about how tactics function in their day-to-day working. The following bonus episode features a conversation with Thiago Stevan, a data scout for a Serie A side. He talks to me about how tactics function in his life as a scout. A podcast about tactics is a Patreon podcast, but it is available for only £1 per month. To find out more about the podcast and to get hold of more free-to-listen episodes, visit www.patreon.com forward slash pod about tactics. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to a podcast about tactics. I'm John McKenzie and I'm joined by football's answer to Johnny Depp and one of my greatest pals, Tiago Ishtavam. Tiago, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Good. I hope you're excited to chat all things tactics and scouting with me. Yeah, I mean, the the first two episodes set the bar pretty high, so... I'm hoping I can deliver, but I'm a little nervous. I haven't done this in a while. Tiago is a scouting and recruitment analyst at a Serie A club. He has the most encyclopedic brain about footballers out of anyone else in the world and also has the finest moustache in world football too. Thank you to all of those of you who have signed up to the Patreon. This is the first Patreon-only episode, so we're very much behind the paywall now. But because of this, one of the best ways for me to build my audience is by word of mouth. So if you like this podcast, please do recommend it to pals who you think would enjoy it. Anyway, enough of that. Time to get to the matter at hand. So today we're focusing on the topic of scouting and tactics how important is a tactical understanding to the scouting process is the focal point of our discussion so we're actually going to probably break the recording into two episodes so in the first one we're going to talk about the general concepts involved in tactics and scouting conversation before moving on to talk about attacking principles and scouting and then in the second episode we're going to touch on the more defensive issues and then we should have some time to answer some of your questions so by the time this first episode comes out you should have the chance to drop some questions into the Patreon, so do get on that. Anyway, let's get on with it. So, Tiago, in terms of like starting out, it's probably best just to talk about your own background. It, it might be good to talk about just what, what it is that you generally do as a as a data scout. But before you actually got to working as a data scout, you spent some time getting your coaching badges and going through a similar route to a traditional scout, I suppose. So. How important was it for you, do you think, to have a practical experience of those tactics? So maybe let's break that question down into sort of what your day job looks like a little bit, insofar as you can tell us that, uh, and then how you think it was important to have that sort of practical experience on the side. 
Yeah, so my current job for the last two and a half years, three years or so, has been kind of working as a bridge between the data analysis department and the scouting department of a club. I work within the analytics department, but obviously I don't come from a, let you say, I don't come from an analytic background necessarily, right? I am kind of just a guy. Uh, <laughs> I'm just someone that has always been extremely interested in football and tried to deepen my understanding through whichever means I could. And uh, for a while, that intention was kind of turned into coaching and then it became into scouting and then into analysis and whatever else. And I kind of just tried to mix as many skill sets into one. And uh, yeah, I think like you say, it, it, it was extremely important to have a quite a wide variety of experiences in the past. I wouldn't say that many experiences because I'm not that old yet, but I've, I've done one coaching badge. I've done courses and, and educated myself in different types of ways through different angles in football. And I've gotten here as someone that, like I said, I think I have a pretty decent grasp on both the analytics side of things and the traditional scouting side of things and the video scouting side of things. And uh, I think that's kind of what gives me an advantage is... And, being able to understand kind of all sides of this conversation, right? And uh, that's what makes me the person that kind of bridges the gaps, the gap between, you know, these different sides that so often, so often the problem is a lack of workflow between the, the two sides, right? Or a lack of understanding. And I think not to make myself sound more important than I am, it's certainly not about me, but I think the the idea of having someone that can understand both both sides of the question is, is important for a for a good workflow. And in terms of the stuff that you did when you were coaching, do you still feel as though you're using that knowledge that you picked up then in your scouting job now? Maybe not necessarily like on a day to day basis, right? But there's definitely things that are always in the back of your mind, or things that you feel like maybe you're aware that other people aren't aware because they're more disconnected. But I wouldn't say they come up on you know, on a regular basis, or I wouldn't say they come up at all, but but it's definitely something that's part of me, right? It's worth mentioning that like, it's not that I have that much experience in coaching, but I did try to get myself involved on that side of the game as well, beforehand and on other sides of the game, because I think that's important, right? But I also think you're going to get some actual real coaches in this podcast eventually, and I don't want to claim I am one. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that moves us quite nicely on then to the importance of context in, in what you do, because I know that it's a big mantra for you that context is everything when it comes to scouting. So do you want to expand on this? Yeah, I mean, I do think context is everything. I think it's the most important part about this job, right? And this side of the game, I guess. It's way more about evaluating context than about evaluating a player, right? Uh, necessarily. Because context is the, the many different angles that you can approach a player from, right? And I think there's, I'd argue there's two to three types of context when it comes to a player. I think by far the most important one is kind of the context of the deal. And that's something that I've mentioned very regularly recently in any podcast I may have been in, including with you. But it's just the idea that you don't even care or evaluate players anymore you just evaluate deals and that's what allows you to be 
interested in a player in one window and completely disinterested in the following window because it's all about a player's not just a player it's about the financial context around it and the general deal and um i think that's by far the most important one but it's also not what we're talking about in this podcast so i'll move on quickly and then i'd say there's two other types of context the second one would be kind of the the player's you know social emotional personal context which is something that is often overlooked uh, but it's also overlooked because it's not really in the scout workflow right Uh, it's something that comes up later as part of the chief scouts work or as part of the director of football's work as far as you know understanding who the player is as a person understanding the context that they're in and how that translates and then the third type of context is kind of the tactical context of of the situation the player's in right and uh that's kind of what we're going to focus on uh, more during this podcast or during these two podcasts rather and um yeah obviously it's extremely important because the setup influences player performance significantly some positions more than others right but it does and uh understanding it is key to make an assessment as to how that player will translate to your context right so the more you understand about the context that they're in the more you can divide just kind of what is the player and what is the system in this situation again like i said there's positions and player types that get more influence and there's systems that are you know as we know more influential to a certain extent but you often scout young players right you often talk about players that have one two senior seasons right and uh so those players which are you know a big a big significant chunk of the players you scout those players that you've only seen them in one context, right? In that type of scenario, the importance of context has an even like bigger weight, right? Because you've never seen them in different contexts. I think from the moment that you see a player in jumping around from context to context, you kind of have a better feel for who he is, right? Uh, naturally. It sounds as though the, the job of the scout then is just assessing contexts all the time and saying... This player, we have this context behind him. This is what we know about him. How would he fit into another context? It's all about context shifting, right? To me, yes. I do think that it's a little different when it comes to scouts that work in youth football, which I, for the most part, do not, for what it's worth. I think those scouts rely a lot more. Firstly, there's a lot less data involved. Secondly, it's a lot more about just pure talent evaluation and guesstimating a player's ceiling based on their talent and that's i think i do i wouldn't say that's a whole other job but i think it's significantly different i think you need to be probably a little less aware of context but then again you need to be even more aware of the personal social emotional context because then with like teenagers or younger kids is that gains an even bigger weight so i think that's different for what it's worth so that that side of things is not what i'm talking about but when it comes to like senior teams where you're pretty much just evaluating a player since he's become a professional, I'd say, yeah, a lot of it is evaluating the context, understanding and doing the transfer in your head of, or the potential transfer in your head of what can he bring to your system and how will he translate, right? And we know that from the outside of any club, there's a lot of guessing that goes into like any tactical analysis, right? We can only guess what what a coach wants or what a coach was or what a coach meant to do right but i do think that the more you know about 
the coach or the more you know about the tactical setup or the more you know about the context of the league, of the club, of the games that that player's playing, the more you will be able to separate, again, what is the the situation the player's in versus what is the player himself. Yeah, and I mentioned in the intro that you have just a really broad knowledge of football, of world football in general. In terms of when you're scouting a player, presumably the tactical context becomes more important the the more focused you are on a player so presumably you're watching a lot of players just to see how they're playing to have a knowledge of who they are the play styles that they have the skill sets that they have but then when a player becomes a player that your club are interested in presumably at that point you then start taking more of a into account the the tactical context i'd like to keep up with as many things as as possible right to to a certain extent and i'd like to have that kind of knowledge in the back of my head right so I always I feel I'm always somewhat aware of what is happening as far as you know the rough tactical shapes and setups and lineups of the vast majority of teams in like the top five six seven leagues maybe so for the most part I'm rarely disconnected as far as when a player comes up which is why I like to be able to keep up with things it allows me to when a player does come up I'm rarely disconnected with the situation the player's in, right? Uh, I think, for the most part, I'll instantly know, uh, vaguely at least, right, the type of coach that's coaching him, the type of setup they have going on, and the, the kind of the broad strokes of the situation. I think if it's a player that I am not... For the most part, I'll be aware of the player, but maybe it's a player that comes from a league where I'm not fully aware of his team's context. I will then... Before even going over the player, I'll go over just what the team is doing, what's the general setup, understanding the broad situation of the, the context before even diving into into the player, because that's important, right? Uh, and I think as far as if I was in a different context, right? If I was perhaps in a, in a, in a smaller club that's scouted in more peripheral leagues, I'd definitely need to do that more. Or maybe I'd need to change the setup of which are the leagues that I follow closely as far as being fully updated in, right? Maybe then it wouldn't be the what I consider top five, six, or seven, eight leagues, right? It would be like a section, a different section of five or six leagues, right? Let's talk also about the tactical context at your own club as well, because obviously when you work, you, you, as you said, you work for an analytics department and you've talked about your role in terms of a sort of translator between different departments within the club. Obviously, a big part of that is that you'll be working with colleagues who are more specialist on the data side than perhaps the football side. So to what extent do you use that tactical knowledge in helping your recruitment department in doing the analytics work that they need to do? First and foremost, like like you say, I, I definitely do not come from a mathematics or analytics background, right? But I'm often I'm often caught in caught a little bit in between, right? Because I'm very keen on analytics and I'm very supportive of you know analytics as a concept and people work in them so that kind of pushes me away from the world of uh, more traditional scouting or video or video analysis people but I'm definitely not a coder I'm not you know a mathematician so I'm kind of caught in between but at least in my current setup that's not a problem that's you know exclusively an advantage I'd say because I think I work with two data analysts that are extremely smart and that every day that goes by, they're more aware of context and the video 
Tadic side of things and I think at some point they won't need me and I'll be tossed out the boat but yeah I think I try to you know add a little context to the data side and uh, yeah you mentioned analytics models and I think I try to kind of get the models to answer something that is a pertinent question to us right or I try to trying to get analytics to work in a way that benefits the club and uh, the scouting process rather than picking up data and trying to shoehorn it into a, a process that doesn't really ask for it, right? I think that's often kind of the the mistake about, it. I think, people that come from the data side. A lot of people miss context and a lot of people don't have someone with them that is aware of the other side of things or simply isn't aware at all, which is a problem. And then some people are extremely aggressive about analytics, right? And I think it's kind of understandable because it's a really, really like passionate topic. It's like you feel like once you discover analytics, especially a couple of years ago, you felt like you, you know, wow, I have such a massive advantage, right? You just kind of uncover the powerful jewel that you can use for something. It's like, listen to me now, I've, you know, I am God. <laughs> but that's not the way to go about it because it doesn't like if you pick up analytics no matter how smart you are about it um, especially if you're exclusively an analytics person that doesn't really know how to communicate it you can't just pick it up and force it into a process that has other people in it that do not understand it as well so you have to go about it the other way around right so the way you showcase analytics the way you communicate analytics the way you use analytics to provide results the questions for said results, the questions for said answers need to come from the tactical side or come from the scouting side. It needs to be something that adds on to a process that already exists, right? It needs to be something that goes along with it. And yeah, so my role ends up being doing that little bit of translation and doing that communication side. But yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm likely to work with people that watch a lot of football, basically. So I think it's fine. Even if I had to force them to watch a lot of football, they now do, so... It's all good. Mm. Yeah, it was interesting hearing you talking about how you use analytics to answer questions. And it can be a really powerful tool in that respect. But unless you know the right questions to ask it, then obviously the, the whole thing falls apart. Yeah, because the other way around is just you can come in shouting analytical answers to people. But if people didn't ask the question, they're not going to listen. That's not the way to go about it, in, in my view, anyway. So we've been talking about the context when it comes to the clubs for the players that you're scouting a lot but obviously we talked earlier that actually your job is a lot about just translating one context to another and the context that you're translating to is a specific club that has a specific game model has its own tactical profile so let's talk a little bit about that then you will obviously be fully engaged with your club's game model is that game model something that is communicated to you specifically or is it something that you sort of have to work out from from the externality and and in terms of that then is there a bit of flexibility for you when you're looking for players will you be told very specifically we're looking for this kind of skill set in a player or is it we have this position on our team that needs filling find someone who's going to be good for that like to what extent is that part of the context explained to you as a as a scout so there's different profiles per position and I think there's some that are more particularly defined than others. But I do think that there's a clear profile fit, especially now that the people that are at the club, let that be us in our department or, you know, the people are in higher positions, they've been at the club for a while, right? And uh, 
once that happens, you kind of go over. Like at the start, it's it ends up being a lot messier, right? Because there's maybe the system isn't fully in place. Maybe there's the people higher up are themselves unsure what profile they want, right? And at that point, maybe you do just raise good players. However, now that things are settled, and again, people from the coaching staff to directors and high-end decision makers, let's say, they've both been at the club for a couple of years now. So the types of profiles that are wanted are really clear, right? I think, and given that there's a general understanding from everyone about how the system works, I think there's a certain clarity that comes with that as far as profile types. And uh, like I said, from position to position, it varies. I think there's specific positions where it's like centre-backs, strikers, especially those two come up as this is a position that we, you know, we like a certain type of profile here, and that's the profile we're after. And for for those positions, you don't even consider other types of profiles because it doesn't matter, right? That's not your job. Your job, even if a player is good or even if that player would be good in the personal game model that you have in your head, right? If you were asked to, you know, look for a certain type of centre-back, you'd do that, right? So you kind of skip over players that don't fit that that style. There's positions where there's a little bit more wiggle room, and then there's positions that are specifically required to try and get something different on purpose, just as an alternative, right? I think that's that, that happens on occasion, right? So having a position where instead of the profile uh, the profile that that's requested instead of it being a similar one to what you have at the club it's the the antithesis of that right so it's like a different option for the sake of having a different stylistic option right but there are certain positions certain core positions that are really well defined as far as statical profiles you've talked a little bit saying there is sort of flexibility in some of those profiles but do you anticipate that these profiles will change through time as as the club itself evolves I think the game model tends to come from the manager more so than anyone. And then everyone is kind of required as they should to to work around it. Again, I think it's something that's generally understood from my understanding anyway, right? Because I'm not higher up. I'm <laughs> I'm merely a worker. But <laughs> from my understanding, it's you don't get together with a bunch of higher ups to talk about uh, what kind of game model you have. But when you do talk about players, you kind of shine light on those players onto a background of like does he fit in this game model though right since the game model has been set for a while i think things are pretty well defined for the most part there's not that much wiggle room unless there is if that makes sense so again unless the situation's specifically call for a different type of profile i think in general i think this is true in in football in general i think there's a tendency not to change things if they're working I think it's kind of an aspect that's a little under-discussed is the idea of replacing players with players of different types and not and that not necessarily being a bad thing. But it's something that I'm not even sure I'm qualified to, to talk about because, again, I myself tend to think of it as we should replace this player with a player of a similar profile, right? But I think that's actually a conversation I have with my dear colleague Ben Torvene very frequently because he's very big on this idea of replacing output doesn't necessarily force you to replace that output in the same style right i think you can basically the idea that you can achieve the same thing in many different ways right maybe a player offers you ball progression via a certain way you don't need to get a player with 
the same type of ball progression as long as he does offer ball progression, right? You can do it in a different way. Or a player that recovers possession in a certain way, you can replace it with one that that does so in different ways. I'm not sure if that's necessarily the right way to go about things, but that's something we discuss quite often, right? But then you look at that and then that player needs to be then worked by a coach into a system, right? And I think to me, my worry is always that you, you want to keep the system stable if it's working well. And therefore, I, I think the more similar profile that you can get, the better for system integration and for the sake of everyone involved. But I think if there's if there's a scenario where perhaps you're more hands-on with the coach or perhaps there's a more you know club-wide Red Bull-type philosophy where there's a different way to go about things, I think perhaps in that scenario you can be a little bit more drastic with how you replace a player's output, right? But I think in mo- most contexts, you do get benefits from being traditional as far as like looking for something similar. I guess the irony of this is that you talk about things staying the same, but one of the things that will change and will change your game model is bringing in a new manager. Sure. So I'm kind of interested in, in your thoughts on, on that side of things. Like to, to what extent would a new manager change things up? Would that mean that you would have to change the way that you're doing things quite drastically? Yeah, I mean, as far as the type of players we look for, yeah, I think the type of work we do wouldn't change, right? But the end point would change. Kind of the the idea of having a system in the background that you shine line onto, shine light onto. Why do I try these metaphors that I can't? <laughs> Why? Why do I try to sound clever? <laughs> yeah, this idea of having like a system in the background, right? That would change. So every type of player would be reflected differently, right? And uh Maybe players we wouldn't be keen on, we began being keen on, and and vice versa. I think I would definitely need to adapt a little bit because naturally, especially after a while working, you know, with the same ideas in place, maybe you'd want a different type of nine now or a different type of center right now, and you'd have to kind of reset your your mind in 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 a way. But I think I think that's okay, right? I think that's fun, that's challenging, and that's good. I also think that like there will always be similarities to a certain extent if you're in a relatively big club because if you're you know no matter the system there's always going to be you're always going to be possession dominant at times you know even in the worst of cases right and um not not necessarily the worst of cases but you know what I mean right even if you're even if your manager didn't want you to be possession dominant if you're a team that has better players in your position most of the time then you're very likely to be possession dominant in a lot of games, right? So no matter how much the system changes, the sm- the smaller club you are, I think the wider the spectrum of changes can be. I think if you're in, in a big team, at least there's a, a basis of like, you're going to be forced to have the ball a lot. You're going to be forced to want this and this from these types of players, right? So I don't think everything would change, but I think everything would need to be reviewed, right? So basically every player that you've ever evaluated... <laughs> We'd go through it again because it's like, like I said, it's the same thing about the deals or whatever. It's like if a deal, if a completely refreshed deal comes up or a deal idea, let's say, comes up for a player that you had evaluated past and the deal wasn't good then and is good now, then it's a completely different thing, right? It's the same thing as you changing your context and all of a sudden this player makes a lot of sense or doesn't make sense anymore, right? So I think a lot would change, but I think that sounds fun to be honest, <laughs> in a way. Yeah, you'll be able to look at different, as you said, strikers and centre-backs and, yeah, I guess learn how to scout them again. Let's let's move on to talk a little bit more about the other context and the, the context of the club's 
of the players that, that you're scouting and the systems that they're playing in. We've got like quite a few different types of questions here, but I suppose the, the really important one is, as, as we're talking about contexts, how do you go about scouting someone at a club where the context is entirely different? So you've seen a player, they fit the sort of profile that you think would suit your club, but they're playing for a club that plays an entirely different style of football. How would you go about scouting that player in terms of the, the tactical side of things? I'd say it's like it's a spectrum, right? So if a player plays in a similar system or a system with a couple of similarities, that's a pretty big positive, right? That's something that reduces risk on the situation. That's something that decreases doubt around the player and the player's ability to adapt to our contents, right? So that's a pretty big positive. And then if a player is on the completely different side of the spectrum, playing in a completely different system, that increases doubt and increases risk. And I think no matter what you say, it just does. It does increase risk, right? So I'd say that for the most part, you're not dealing with either of those scenarios. For the most part, you're dealing with players that are in the middle, right? You're dealing with players that are in systems that have a couple of similarities, but, you know, have a lot more different than in common or vice versa. And I think as far as those, it comes down to evaluating context, you know, adding context to what the player is doing and the, the type of system they're in, like we've said before, right? I think for the most part, you'll be straying away from those players in, in systems that are extremely different, right? If you do come to that scenario that, again, forcefully increases doubt and increases risk on the player that you're raising, as it just does, no matter how sure you are, sure you, are you need to be really sure, right? And uh, <laughs> for the most part, what happens then is, and we're talking about, let's say, someone from a really dominant club uh, scouting a player from Burnley, right? Another really dominant club, right? Uh, yeah, actually. <laughs> I don't think that's actually ever happened. So, yeah, I think, I think I'm fine. I think I'm, I actually came up with an example that doesn't match up with reality, as far as I remember. But that's always kind of the example because they're the most extreme, extre- the most extremely different Premier League system, right? So when it comes to that, you need to justify that situation really well, right? And the problem with that is the data often helps you and you add context to it. Often context, the tactical context and the video context and all of that helps you justify why a player's output is not as good in certain areas, right? Or why, in other cases, why a player's output is perhaps overly influenced by the system and wouldn't translate, right? But let's say a player's output isn't that great in certain areas and you're just like, no, this is because the system they're in. I think the more extremely different the system is, the more you have to explain that, right? Because in that scenario, the more data for Burnley attackers in possession, or even Burnley midfielders, or even Burnley fullbacks, is really weird, right? And you need to heavily add context to that, and you need to be really sure to push for that type of player, because, again, no matter how sure you are, it just increases risk, right? So then, you connect it to the other side of things, which is, maybe the, the deal is really good, right? Or everything you know about the player personality and all of that is just 10 out of 10. Or maybe it isn't, right? And if it isn't, then things start adding up for you to just, for that to not be a worthwhile situation to get into, right? Because I think it's really tough to be like, yeah, I think nothing points towards this player being good, but I think that's all about the system. Okay, but then you'd struggle to justify, you know, spending a lot of money on that type of player, right? So... Unless 
there's again this type of redeeming quality that helps cover some of that risk right so assuming that a deal is really good or whatever unless that type of situation comes up for the most part you try and stay away from from those situations right i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. To what extent do you have certain clubs that you will go to because you know that context is so comparable to your own club's context that you feel as though it might be the sort of club that you were is worth scouting for players not that often i don't know again like i say i think a lot of most of the time as far as context it will be a little bit more in the middle right i think it will be you know something that you can just like add context and add a certain value to one way or the other and be be fine with that i think you kind of end up going to certain clubs for scouting because they're their youth academy is really good or they're just producing players at a really impressive rate and they have you know multiple players you're keen on or maybe their scouting is really good and you're you're interested in that but i think as far as context you don't go after players from a certain club just because you know they'll they'll adapt i think there's a little weight given to players from a certain league and it's plays our league right i think there's a, a certain weight that's given to players that are already in the league as far as that as far as that helping the player the player's adaptation process which i do think is fair i think it's perhaps something i didn't value much in the past and only value it to a certain extent but i do think there's a benefit to that helping a player that adapt but beyond that that's there's not that much to it i don't think i wanted to talk about sort of the combination of teams that have structured tactical play and teams that are maybe a little bit less structured i'm interested to hear your your thoughts on that in terms of how important is it for you when scouting a player to see that they are playing within some kind of system will that be something that you take into account in terms of one of these upsides that you're talking about whenever you're talking about context another tick in the box that suggests this might be a good move for a player or for you guys to make for a player to what extent is that evidence that a player has played within a system important in your assessment of them yeah i mean it's helpful right i think there's different different types of structures right and there's there's players that you'd you'd look at and you'd be like yeah this is another tick in the box this player has played in a in a system that's structured similar to ours right there's a lot of players that you know do not have that box ticked but perhaps they're really young or perhaps they have you know certain skill set that i think okay based on evidence that i've seen in the past with other players I think the, type, the a player with this physical skill set, let's say, give him like two to three months with us and he'll be fine because he's maybe he's 20 and he has, you know, a great physical skill set. So you're good to go. 
in this specific contest, right? But I think there's players that, you know, if you're at a certain age, if you're entering your peak years and you've never, you've only played in a extremely different type of structure that, again, that only increases doubt. And that's okay. You'd have to then account for that in comparison to the other evaluators in the process. I'm thinking about this now in terms of we're talking about tactics and players and and a lot of the time like players won't necessarily know an overall tactic right like it's it's not important for a player to sort of know their own team's game model but there are going to be certain positions presumably within a team and maybe maybe I'm showing my bias here but it's it I, I suspect that you want your maybe your central midfielders to be a little bit more clued up as to the the game model um, in, in terms of certain decision making situations do you think that that is something that you can scout, like whether or not a player is tactically smart? Or when I say tactically smart there, am I just simply talking about in terms of maybe knowing when, when, which spaces to take up, which moves to make, which passes to play? And is that actually not really tactical at all, other than as a coach you want to make sure that you're, you've got the players in those positions who can make those sorts of in-game decisions? It varies, right? I think if we look at a player that's an elite centre midfielder that's like 30 and has played at an elite level in like three different clubs. You're talking Luka Modric, aren't you? Sure. That's what you're talking sure. about. Sure. Let's talk about Luka Modric, right? <laughs> uh, he hasn't done it for three different clubs, but it doesn't matter, right? You know, a player with his understanding of the game that can play pretty much every midfield role that you ask him to and has done it in different ways and whatever, at the maximum level of the game, right? Everyone is aware that Luka Modric is a smart footballer, right? I don't think... I think that's easy. I think... It's really tough to evaluate if a player is smart if they're a kid with 2,000 minutes as a senior player, right? Or even double that. I think you can make an educated guess, but again, I think the more you know about the context that they're in, the more educated your guess can be, if that makes sense. I know you, before the podcast, we talked about automations and that has been a word that's kind of been popping off lately. Mostly because Nathan has been pretending that other clubs also have automations. But I think one extreme would be, you know, a system that has a lot of automations in possession, then it's all fake, right? A player's being smart and, you know, a player's ability to interpret space and play certain passes is just a consequence of the system. But again, you know, if you watch more than three games of that player, you'll figure out if a team has automations, right? Hopefully, anyway. Uh, but in most contexts I think you can make an educated guess you can also you know increase your odds with that educated guess if you get to a point where you in this case you being chief scout or director of football or whomever you get to meet the player or you get to talk to the player and at that point I think you can put the pieces together to be like this player has a certain level of understanding of the game you would be good for this role or that role right I think if you're like a more traditional, like old school scout that can guess a player's IQ from 2,000 miles away and, you know, as they're warming up, they can figure out if a player is going to be Ballon d'Or level or whatever. I'm not even making fun of those people. Like that's a skill I do not have, right? And I think that type of person perhaps can make a more educated guess. I'd say it's even more of a guess, but there's people with that skill, right? That ability to just evaluate talent and evaluate talent in a way that allows you to understand if a player is smart or not. I don't think I'm that person, right? Or not yet anyway. Therefore, I can only make an educated guess, especially when you're so far so far back in the process, right? 
so not so far back, but you know, so early into the process, right? I think you can make that educated guess again at the end of the day, right? Once you've followed the player for so long and once you've maybe you've met the player and you have all these different pieces that once put together, you're like, yeah, this guy's smart. This kid is like, he understands where to move. He understands the game. Like, I think if I threw him in a different context, he'd like be running the show. But I think if you're so early on in the process, I think you'd, you can make a guess, but not more than that. It sounds like from what you're saying that the reason why this sort of thing would be important to you is because of integration rather than you don't necessarily want a smart player on the field. Like if, say, for example, you are you are in an Antonio Conte team or a Marcelo Bielsa team where so much of what it is that you do is dictated to you through repetition uh, and it becomes a natural thing. I suppose what you're talking about there is the ability to take a player from one context and then move them into another context and know that because they have those smarts that they are then going to probably fit in slightly better you know that there's much less of a risk in terms of uh, integrating them into your system, right? Yeah, I think when it comes to uh, system having automations, like the ones you mentioned, I think that's just, again, I've never worked for any team at any of those coaches. And I think that's such a different job because I think I've discussed this with Nathan a lot, who obviously watches a lot of Tottenham. Don't follow him on Twitter. It's bad, <laughs> but it, we discuss this a lot and it's a really tough situation because there's, all of a sudden you're looking at players very differently because the creativity, especially in possession, the creativity doesn't come from the system. It comes from the players. It demands a certain level of technical ability to execute certain things. But then it has this counterpoint, which is players with a certain level of technical ability tend to have a certain level of creativity on the pitch and a certain level of wanting to do certain things. And a lot of those players won't fit into a system that has automated possessions, right? Because they, they'll struggle to integrate. And Dumbele is kind of the main case. They don't want to be naming like individual players. But from the outside, it seems like Dumbele, one of the most individually gifted midfielders in the world, struggles with that, right? And a lot of other players will struggle with that. And you kind of end up having to scout this, like, this kind of middle step of players. Because you don't, like, you still want a certain, a pretty high level of technical proficiency. But you don't want the player to be individually creative to a point of moving away from this, uh, to a point of like not adapting to the system right so that's a super strange situation that like i'd say i think i'd have to me and like everyone on like the scouting side would have to adapt so much to what the the coach wants and what the system demands those are like super unique situations that that only apply under certain coaches under certain contexts so I'm talking a little bit more general and what I've been saying I think applies to to most. Well, it applies to a club like Leeds United, right? Where I think a lot of what you're talking about here is like, where are you trying to get your creative upside from in a team? And, and when you're talking about Spurs, you're talking about getting that creative upside from the system, right? That you're not relying on highly technical players to just generate it through just being better than the other players on the field. And when it comes to Leeds, I think you're trying to do that by having more physical quality on the field than the opposition so I suppose that's another interesting test case right insofar as from my experience of watching Leeds over the last couple of seasons you actually get a benefit from having more physically quality players than technical quality players and your system is almost geared towards that so yeah I don't know whether or not you have any thoughts on like scouting for a system where you're not actually looking for necessarily the sorts of things people might think of when they're talking about talent ID which I think is usually like technical proficiency that's one way to think about it. I think people tend to think about that when it comes 
more when it comes to like youth scouting or like very young player scouting. And I think that's fair, right? I think if you're looking for player for a player to be integrated into your youth teams, for the most part, you're looking for technical rather than athleticism or physicality. Because if you're if a player is still at a point where he can grow, I guess you you might be looking for physicality if you want to like you know save your youth team from relegation or whatever, right? If you want like a short term solution, but we all know that a certain type of physical player tends to have a high level of success at youth level and then perhaps struggle to struggle at higher age and te- more technical players vice versa right obviously ideally you want everything but you can't get <laughs> you can't get everything but yeah i think in general now i think people are more understanding that like you know at a high level like athleticism is really important physicality is really important and especially these days that a lot of teams press high it's extremely important. And I think that there's a lot of players that we definitely do scout because of that. Not just because of that, but that's definitely like a plus plus point for them, right? I also think a lot of people's thoughts on that comes from personal preference rather than any like logical approach to things. People will be like, oh, I would rather scout 10 players or whatever. And I think that's fair. I think our chief scout and me see have different player preferences, right? As far as like the players we naturally gravitate towards. However, I think it doesn't matter because it matters like whether they fit the system or not. And like ultimately, his type tend to fit the system a lot better. And I tend to scout a lot more players of his type rather than my type, right? For certain positions. And I think that's okay. I, it's my job. But there's a lot of players that I would think that I think are extremely good and fun or in good, and in good situations. And, you know, we think of them as maybe if we were in a different context, but not here, right? Or not now. It's interesting hearing you talk about youth football, actually, because it does feel as though, as you said, like the developmental aspect of football is focused on technicality, is focused on getting the players to a level where they have the proficiency to then, you know, hopefully fit into different systems. And one of the frustrations I guess I've found watching youth football, sorry, is that a lot of the time that the tactical level is just way off this, the, the same level as as the senior teams are playing. Uh, something I've noticed, obviously, following Leeds. Uh, obviously, even under Marcelo Bielsa, there was a real attempt to get the youth team playing tactically the same way that the senior team were playing. But there was definitely a, a huge drop off between those, those two levels. But do you think that in terms of, I mean, you've said that you're not scouting kids so much, but... To what extent do you think that that impacts the way that we think about players when we're scouting them in terms of if you're looking for a youth player, you are going to be more aware of the fact that players who are talked highly of are going to be talked highly of because of the the technical aspects rather than that sort of tactical aspect? And, and how does that sort of impact the way that you might go about scouting a youth player and wanting to move them from one context to another? Again, it's much like everything else in this conversation, like as long as you're aware of why you think of things in a certain way or why a certain thing is valued in the, in said context, I think you can use that to, you know, to make educated guesses and to adapt things in your mind, right? Do you think we should be making kids more tactically aware at a younger age or do you think that's just not important? No, I think that's important. I think I'm certainly not the world's most qualified person to answer that question, but I do think that that's important. I think that that's something that's done at least here, but I, I'm aware that that's not as valid in certain other places. So, and it, it extremely varies from coach to coach, right? But I do think that the absolute best youth coaches and the absolute best youth academies in the world are really good at preparing kids in a tactical way 
to just interpret the game in different ways, right? And I think that's what gives them such an advantage to transition them to high level. And I think, yeah, yeah, there's two ways to go about it. They either prepare kids really well to kind of understand the game tactically and uh, to be just aware of different contexts mid-game and to be able to read the game in different ways. Or their their setup is really tactically demanding in a single way and that goes all the way to the first team and that also produces success, but it's a lot more narrow, right? So that's kind of the Barcelona type of situation with the occasional exception, but, you know, in general, whilst, you know, Dutch clubs prepare kids really well to kind of understand things, even if that doesn't always translate at senior level. So I don't know. I'm, again, I'd love to hear you talk to someone on this podcast, and I've talked to you about this. I'd love (laughs) to hear you talk to someone on this podcast that is fully integrated and aware of youth football and this kind of kind of has their expertise in that area because i'd love to hear more about this yeah i I don't like to pretend that i know more than i do yeah i can only make in this case guesses not really that not really educated guesses (laughs) just guesses i realize that time has run on and i think we'll end up talking about offensive and defensive qualities when you're scouting tactically uh in the next episode but just one more question final question on leagues You've got some really interesting thoughts on different leagues. I know that you've talked about this before on podcasts with me, but... You are always the person that listens to me talk about this. It's so great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and your your general take on, on leagues is actually the gaps between leagues isn't that important. It's more the gaps between clubs across league divides that, that you need to be looking at. But to what extent do you think that that passes over into the, the tactical realm? Do you think that... There are, as you've said, if, you, if you're looking for maybe a, a player who you want to fit into your system quickly, you've mentioned that the Dutch league is, is perhaps better at that sort of tactical understanding. And do you, would, would that be something that would come into your mind when you're assessing a, a deal? Yes, but, you know, I think to a lesser extent than certain people make you think, right? I do think the differences between leagues is a super overstated thing. What I care about ultimately is the context of the club that player is playing in. And that's it. You know, there's a million differences between choose any two clubs from the same league, right? So I don't, for the most part, I think the differences between leagues are not that important. I think there's a certain weight to them. I think as far as there's specific leagues with specific characteristics that you need to like understand. And those are like league wide. I think that like in Europe, the Eredivisie and the league below, the Dutch leagues are extremely open and there's always a an increasing risk in scouting attackers from bringing attackers out of the Dutch leagues. And there's immense examples, lists and lists of examples that you can list about, you know, why not a player that did or did not work out. The Portuguese league in Europe is the exact opposite of that. It's super closed, tactically not very interesting, but very, you know, high level, but it's not open at all. And that's okay. Like those, they're just like complete opposites of each other. It's Portugal and the Netherlands. I think everything else is just kind of in the middle. If you go to South America, Brazil is extremely transitional. And I think any league that is, and that's changing a little bit now that they're getting different coaches, coaches from Europe. But I think any league that's kind of outside the the European realm will be a little bit more transition based, especially in Brazil. MLS in the past has been very transition-based. It's slightly getting less so now. Same thing with Brazil. But you're kind of aware that those are parts of the context, right? But I think more important than the league is 
what type of club and what type of system does it does the players club have right i think more important than understanding if a player plays in the netherlands right it's understanding whether they play for you know ajax or willem 2 willem 2 yeah i was i was gonna pull that <laughs> off and then i i consider that i have a reputation to uphold uh <laughs> but yeah, or, you know, there's all these peripheral leagues, which, again, we're aware that it's a different level to ours, and you need to, like, take that in consideration. But perhaps if a player is doing really well for, I don't know, a below, a below average team in a peripheral league, that's just really impressive. Or if a player is doing really well for, say, a very dominant team in a peripheral league, which is always the case with the top three teams in Portugal, the top two teams in Scotland, the top two to three teams in the Netherlands, the top team in Turkey, maybe occasionally less so this season as they're weird. But these teams that are in extremely dominant, uh, these players that are in extremely dominant contests, those are the ones you need to be a little bit more careful about. But then in those scenarios, you always have European competitions, right? So you will evaluate the player in their league context, and then you'll evaluate how the player does in the more even matchups, right? In the more even matchups in the league, in the European context, and if a player is able to like adapt across those two, that's really impressive, right? But I do think there's more importance to the club context and the tactical context than about the league one, right? And I think the question mark that often comes up with like players from, I don't know, South American leagues or North American leagues or whatever, right? I think it's the league will be very different, right? But it's a more, it's more about, especially if it's a young player, it's more about adapting them as a person and trying to shift their contests, their like personal contests, and allowing them to adapt as a human being more than more than anything. Well, I think what we've learned from this podcast episode has been that context is everything. I knew I'd repeat myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's 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 obviously important. But Tiago, thanks so much for coming on today. We will have you back on at, at a later date, but not too far from now. And we'll focus on, as we've said, the offensive and defensive qualities of, of tactics in scouting. Thanks so much for coming on. What's the best way for people to catch what you're putting out? Well, these days I don't put out much. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Tiago ESTV. Yeah, I don't tweet out much these days. I just kind of keep my account running for the sake of it. Don't be surprised if one day I'll just disappear, but I don't know. <laughs> and that's Tiago without an H, it should be said. Yeah, it is without an H. As much as I like Tiago Alcantara, I'm <laughs> a different person. Not him. Yeah, I'm, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, I'm not him. No. Anyway, thank you everyone for listening. As I said, we're going to do a Q&A at the end of the next podcast as well. So if you have any questions, do get those into me on the Patreon. But for now, Tiago, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. I hope this was uh, palatable. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good word. You've been listening to a podcast about tactics. I'm John McKenzie. If you like our artwork, then do check out Frankie Mitchell's portfolio over on her Twitter account at MadeByFrankie. Her work is incredible and she's often available for commissions, so do check that out. And then this music, written and recorded by my good friend Joe Hill and his North Ark Septet. You can find out more about them and listen to the music at www.joehillmusic.bandcamp.com. See you next week.
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.